1: Welcome to It's All Political on 5th and Mission. I'm Joe Garofoli, The Chronicle's senior political writer, and today we're talking about Senator Dianne Feinstein. Feinstein is in the news again, and not for a good reason. This time, she's at the center of a legal struggle over her late husband Richard Blum's estate. Blum was reportedly a billionaire, and the family is fighting over how his money should be distributed. This week, Shira Stein, The Chronicle's Washington correspondent, broke the news that Feinstein sued to remove the trustees of her late husband's estate, alleging that they had committed financial elder abuse, refused to respond to any requests for disbursements, and improperly financially enriched his daughters. It's the latest piece of bad news involving the 90-year-old Feinstein, who is at the end of a pioneering political career that began when she was first elected to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors in the late 1960s. She was the first female mayor of San Francisco, and along with Barbara Boxer, California's first female senator.
0: Women are seen as spear throwers of change. And I think many of us coming into the Congress will be coming in with some new programs to put the emphasis back on people in this nation.
1: But over the past few years, she's been dogged by health challenges and questions about her mental fitness.
0: A new health scare tonight for the oldest member of Congress, 90-year-old Diane Feinstein hospitalized Tuesday.
1: After last week, she was briefly taken to the hospital near her home in San Francisco. Earlier this year, Feinstein missed three months of work as she recovered from shingles. The Senate's oldest member, Feinstein, returned to the Senate just last week after missing 91 votes in a three-month span sad to see her in this state where she is missing votes. And I just think we should have someone in that role who can do the job right now. Some Democrats, including Congressman Ro Khanna of Santa Clara and Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York, have been calling on Feinstein to resign and enable Governor Gavin Newsom to appoint someone to finish the rest of her term. Why wouldn't she do that? Well, like many things involving Senator Feinstein... That's a complicated question. Here to help us clarify all that is Shira Stein. Shira, if there's one California politician that everybody wants to talk about these days, it's Senator Dianne Feinstein, and and not always in the most positive way. She's in the news again, thanks to your scoop about her latest legal issue. Bring us up to speed on what she claims is financial elder abuse against her.
0: Yeah, so this is the third of three lawsuits that she and her daughter have filed this summer, this one basically says that the trustees of her late husband, Dick Blum's trust, are withholding distributions that she is owed. She and her side say that she should be receiving this money, that she should have access to information about his estate, and that she's been unable to obtain the information or obtain the money. And so she's asking the court to temporarily replace the trustees of this trust other than her daughter, who she appointed as a trustee back in August of last year.
1: So there's been a tight circle of people around Feinstein in recent years, particularly as her health has declined. And throughout her illness, we've often wondered who is taking care of her. Do these lawsuits shed light on that?
0: Not directly. We know, based on my reporting from earlier this year, that Speaker Meredith and Nancy Pelosi's eldest daughter, Nancy Corinne Prouda, has been helping out Senator Feinstein. We also know from other reporting that Senator Feinstein is is getting help from home health aides and things like that when she's at home in California. But the only thing with this, these lawsuits really shed light on is the fact that she has extensive medical bills. So she, she says that she needs access to this money to help pay those medical bills.
1: So, so why should we care about this? The Feinstein camp insists that this is a private legal matter.
0: Yeah, I think for a couple of reasons, she's a public figure. So so anytime there's something like this in the news, it's going to be important for the public to be aware of it. Secondly, she has had health issues in recent years. She was out from the Senate for three months earlier this year. And people were really concerned about that. Also, as as you and former colleague Tal Copan reported last year, there are concerns about her mental acuity. And so I think for all of those reasons, anything that has to do with Senator Feinstein's well-being is an issue that a lot of members of the public are really concerned about.
1: So a couple of weeks ago, Senator Feinstein appeared confused at a Senate Appropriations Committee meeting. When it was her turn to vote, she started to read a statement. Then a staffer and and the committee chair, Senator Patty Murray of Washington, told her to just vote by saying yes or no. Let's play a clip of that.
0: It funds priorities submitted.
1: Yeah, just say aye. Okay, just Very aye. Sense. Thank <laughs> you. Sure. what was going on there? Are those are those moments common?
0: According to her staff and my experience covering the whole they kind of are. There's a lot going on on Capitol Hill. Things are always moving around. And so her spokesman said the committee markup was chaotic and she hadn't realized that debate had ended and votes were being taken. She also mistakenly voted to support a Republican amendment to a bill she sponsored back in June. And her spokesperson said it's common for members to need to correct their votes because they're often moving between multiple committees. I think, yes, it is. It is common. That is a fair assessment. But also, as I said before, there are these concerns about her mental acuity. So I think anything like this is going to get extra attention when it comes to Senator Feinstein.
1: Yeah. And as we alluded to, she was out of the uh, Senate for three months while she battled shingles. And without her voting, the Senate Judiciary Committee was deadlocked, a tie between Republicans and Democrats. just want to remind our listeners that this meant that Democrats weren't able to confirm some of the left-leaning judges that President Biden wanted to appoint to the courts. Since she's been back, though, Shira, what's her voting record been like? Uh, Is she showing up for work?
0: Yeah, she absolutely is. Looking at the voting records of every single Senate daily vote, she is there for the vast majority of them. She is not doing certain things like public events in California, but she is doing what I think some would consider the bare minimum by showing up and voting.
1: Yeah. And that's a bare minimum is the key words there. She's rarely interacted in person, as you as you alluded to, or even a telephone town hall with constituents. She was recently absent from two events that have been long identified with her over the years, one involving cable cars here in San Francisco as, you know, sort of a a ribbon-cutting, glad-handing event, (laughs) and another one at Lake Tahoe. What happened there, and what does it say about the kind of representative that Senator Feinstein can be these days?
0: The cable cars event, her staff said she had a cough and was just being cautious. She is elderly, and so Any sort of health thing needs to be taken seriously, especially after she just recovered from that very serious illness and is still dealing with some of the complications from it. The Lake Tahoe one, you know, she just she has not been as active in public in recent years. She does not go to states of the union or speeches by foreign presidents and things like that. She is the kind of representative that shows up, does what Democrats ask, but is not necessarily as present of a face outside of those basic things. To me, it sort of seems like she is, in recent years, been doing less of the personal politicking with other members of Congress, you know, trying to get them to join on to bills or co-sponsor something with her, anything like that. So she is a reliable Democratic vote, and that is kind of the majority of what she's been doing.
1: I know we both often hear this from from readers, from from people we talk to, uh, people on the street, everybody, people (laughs) on the street, (laughs) cousins, cousins. Uh, Why doesn't Feinstein just resign early? Shira, why doesn't she? And what would the implications of that be that that are often not discussed?
0: So, as we said, Senator Feinstein sits on the Senate Judiciary Committee. It's key to President Biden's agenda to get judges confirmed. And the committee without Senator Feinstein is deadlocked. Senator Feinstein, while she was out sick, attempted to ask for them to temporarily place another Democrat on the committee. And Republicans said that they would not allow that because they didn't want to allow liberal judges to be confirmed. And then that sort of argument was extrapolated. And so the concern is that if she resigned early, which she is set to retire at the end of 2024, that Republicans would not allow a replacement to be sat on the committee, even if she resigned. And so the concern is that then you'd stop judicial confirmations of any non consensus picks. So that's a huge part of President Biden's agenda. And I think that's a big thing. The other thing that we have reported on and written about is whoever Governor Gavin Newsom appointed, he would get in hot water with some type of group. Within California for whoever he appointed. So it's just a really complicated political situation, and so it's not as straightforward as resign, as I get tweeted at about three million times a day.
1: Senator Diane Feinstein isn't seeking re-election. Shira Stein updates us on the race to replace her after this break. Welcome back to It's All Political on 5th and Mission, where we're talking to The Chronicle's Washington correspondent, Shira Stein, about Senator Dianne Feinstein. I want to drill down on what you just uh, said for a second. After Senator Feinstein recently had a – she fell and she spent a, a made a quick trip to the hospital. She was all right. But uh, Governor Gavin Newsom was asked about that, and he recently told reporters in, in Sacramento that he cannot be objective about Feinstein. He said that she's like a legit friend of his, not a, not a political friend, but a, a friend. Uh,
0: I, was, I bet he would <laughs>
1: love to hear that she's a legit friend of his. Yes. Well, I, we, we know what political friends are. Uh, and we, That's a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> uh, but, but let's remind everyone what kind of political predicament Newsom would face If Feinstein were to leave office early for some reason, he would choose the person who would serve out the remainder of the term. And we have an ongoing Senate race here.
0: Yeah. So Newsom made this promise a couple of years ago after he appointed Senator Alex Padilla to replace now Vice President Kamala Harris in the Senate. He made this commitment that he would appoint a black woman if either of the Senate seats ever became available for him to appoint. And that was a commitment that a lot of folks supported and said was good. The problem now is that we have an active Senate race where only one of the three candidates is a black woman. And people said, well, well, couldn't couldn't Barbara Lee, who is that one candidate, couldn't she just be appointed as a temporary caretaker appointment through the end of 2024? And either she commits to not continue running in the race or if she does commit to running in the race, then she has that benefit of incumbency. Now, Black women in politics that we have spoken to have said a caretaker appointment is not what they expected from Newsom when he made that commitment. They would not be pleased if he tried to do that. But if Newsom appointed Lee, then the Adam Schiff and Katie Porter camps would say that that was tipping the scales of the election and giving Barbara Lee the benefit of incumbency. So it's just It's not a easy political decision for Governor Newsom if that happened.
1: And if Newsom were to either renege on his promise or or not fulfill it in the right way, (laughs) uh, we (laughs) we hear we hear that he may have future political aspirations, nationals, political aspirations. Of (laughs) course, not right now. But uh, you don't want to piss off the most loyal voters in the Democratic Party, which are black women.
0: Yeah, I mean, the most I would say one of the most important voting blocks in the U.S. right now for Democrats. So it would just be a very bad decision for any political future aspirations that he had.
1: Let's talk a little bit about age, because that's going to be shrouding the next year's campaign. The average age in the Senate was 64 years old at the beginning of this year, 58 in the House, the Bay Area's House delegation outside of uh, Jared Hoffman is 59, Kevin Mullen is 53, Ro Khanna is 46, Eric Swalwell, 42, are all over 70. And all of them told me that they're recently that they're running for re-election. although Speaker Emeritus Nancy Pelosi is being cagey about that. What's the impact of this generation staying in office?
0: It creates a backup in politics. So you have this next generation of politicians in the Bay Area and in California generally, and really across the country, who want to be running for office. I mean, I'm thinking of in Delaware, one of the two senators announced that he would retire, and almost immediately, Representative Lisa Blunt Rochester, who's a younger Black woman, announced that she would run for his seat in the Senate. And so that allows then the next level of state politicians to run for her seat in the House. And so it's the same thing here. If you have members of Congress who have been in their position for decades in many of these cases, then that prevents the next level of politicians from coming up. It also means that the Senate, especially can be out kind of out of touch with how Americans feel because they can't really understand millennials, and even sometimes Gen Xers. And so, and especially not Gen Zers. And so I think that that makes it really hard for Americans to feel like they're being fully representative.
1: Let's talk about some of the people who are vying to replace Feinstein in the Senate. Shera, catch us up on where the race is right now in the early polling.
0: Yeah. So we've got three candidates, Adam Schiff, Katie Porter, and Barbara Lee. All three are Democrats, from the U.S. House, there's a couple of Republicans and other candidates, but none of them are really polling in in a stage that it's worthwhile to talk about. So two out of the three, Adam Schiff and Barbara Lee, have both been in the U.S. House for at least two decades. Katie Porter, newer addition to the House, she joined in 2018. Adam Schiff is way in the lead when it comes to financing, when it comes to fundraising. And then he's also first in polling. Katie Porter is next in terms of polling. And Barbara Lee in some polls has been gaining on the two of them, but she has definitely struggled on polling and on fundraising. And so right now, it's not really set. People keep making it seem like, oh, it's really going to be Adam Schiff because of money and because of polling. I think California can be kind of unpredictable on those sorts of things, especially if we end up with a top two primary of two Democrats. So I would just say, like, don't count your chickens before they hatch.
1: Yeah, very, very, still a very tight race. And yeah. most people are undecided and haven't tuned in, unlike uh, those of us in the nerd class. <laughs> All right, Sure Stein, thanks for being back on It's All Political on Fifth and Mission. Take it easy, bud. Thank you. I'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that you and your family are safe and healthy. I'd like to thank Shira Stein for being on the podcast today. Props to Gary Baca for running the board and Keith Benconi for producing and mixing this podcast. And remember, no matter who is suing you, it's all political on Fifth and Mission.